1: To Welcome to Millennials, Season 3, Episode 4. I'm
2: Laura. I'm Elisa.
1: And I'm Matt. Now, Andrew, this week, I'm getting a report here from CNN Breaking News that he actually got anal fissures after his last go-around on Grinder.
0: Yeah. Is this true? It's it's actually not an uncommon thing, but for Andrew this is a first. So I think this is really good for him. I think this is something that he really needs in his life. So I I think it should be something that everybody should celebrate.
2: I don't know. I feel like it's fake news. I feel like if CNN reporting it, it has no, to be fake. There's
0: news. a difference between fake news and alternative facts.
1: Is well, wait, wait, what, what, right? why do you think there? Why do you think it's fake news, Elisa? What what would your alternative fact be? If you were to present any kind of random feeling that you had on this story as the truth, you, what would you
2: say? I, I guess I would say you say anal fissures. I say, f- you know, a, a fr- bedazzled anus. <laughs> I, you say there's a medical problem. I say that a fairy came to him in his sleep and bedazzled his butt. I'm I that's my alternative fact. That was my viewpoint. It's just as valid as as yours and the mm-hmm. truth.
0: interesting and I think fact.
2: Andrew, I think Andrew would agree. I think Andrew would agree with this and he and and he, as the primary host of millennial, that that's what matters is what Andrew <laughs> thinks. it's 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 truthiness. It, my gut tells me this is true, so it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. Speaking of
1: alternative facts, I actually called up FedLoan today and told them that I have indeed paid off all my student loans. They tried to tell me that I hadn't, but I, I made sure that they knew that I did. That is crazy. Period. Like,
0: what does that feel like?
1: It feels pretty good. feels like I could feel- just go and, like, destroy an entire agency. Like, I don't know, the EPA. I mean, why not?
2: <laughs> it feels like a lie is what it feels like. <laughs> but it feels like a good lie.
1: Yeah. It's the kind of lie um, that just just makes it feel all warm and fuzzy inside. It's the
0: kind of lie well, that keeps you hard at night. Continue. All right.
1: Well, <laughs> speaking of things that 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 feel like terrible lies that maybe don't make Elisa feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Elisa, I think you have something to complain about.
2: Yeah, I really have to just take a minute before we start the show to shit all over tourists. I know this is a popular and common thing to do. I know that everyone in every city goes through it. I know that we are all tourists at some point, but there are certain things that should be common goddamn sense. So, for example, the D- in 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 Washington D.C. We've had a lot of tourists recently because of the Women's March and because of the inauguration and what have you. And and I get it. It's it's exciting to like be in a new place, especially for an event like that. But I don't feel like it should strip you of all your brain cells. So, for example, if there is a fucking escalator, you don't stand in the middle of it. You don't bridge the entire width of the escalator so that nobody can get up or down. That doesn't seem to me like a DC specific thing. That seems to me like a human thing. But you would be shocked, or maybe not, by how many people just stand in the middle of a goddamn escalator and don't move. And then when you ask them to move, they look at you like you're crazy, and they huff and they puff. Some of them actually say to me, oh, oh, oh I can't. I'm carrying a lot of bags. It's kind of hard to shuffle over. I'm like, you're carrying a goddamn purse, lady. You have one bag. There's an the escalator can fit three people widthwise. wise What the hell are you doing? That's, that's number one. But also just the metro in general. Or subways in general. I mean, I know I know Atlanta has, what is it? Marta. Um, Marta. Is it a problem for you there, too, where people stand in front of the doors to get on the train before they let people off of the train?
1: That happens here sometimes, but thankfully tourists don't tend to use Marta here because Marta as a transit system really sucks and doesn't provide very much access to the city. Um, So Atlanta is very much a driving city. So what happens to us is it actually just makes our traffic worse because people don't know how to fucking drive here. And it makes me crazy. For any of you who work in downtown Atlanta, you know what I'm talking about. When you're heading north on 7585 and there's that split and nobody fucking knows which one they're getting on and they have like eight miles to figure it out. But then there's this whole like freak out right around the junction because people are like trying to get across six lanes of traffic those are usually tourists either that or people who live otp and never come to the city and they suck sorry i have a lot of feelings about that wait, no <laughs> wait, I just what too. the hell
0: is marta i'm trying it's to find out train. what la is
2: does, does la have a metro too.
0: yeah we have a train system
2: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't even know that either.
0: It's it's becoming a little bit more cleaner. It used to be just kind of something that homeless people stayed at, but um, they're putting actually a lot of money into uh, the metro system recently, and it's becoming a little more tolerable and more approachable. Oh,
1: so it must be nice to live in a blue state where those kinds of things get prioritized. I just have to say,
2: I'm sorry. I can't. I had to think. I have to say. It all seems to me like it revolves around met, like metros and escalators. At least <laughs> it really fucking does. So it's so you stand in the middle of the escalator. I really have to nail this point home. You stand in the middle of the escalator. What do you think's happening to the people behind you? Do you think we're just all going to wait for you? The 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 DC Metro is the second most frequented subway system in the country second only to new york city it carries 15.8 million people a year you think you're just going to stand in the middle of it and block 15 million people i mean in the aggregate that's what you're thinking there's there's people behind you yeah but you how have do you said, not move you have to remember and then, they're they're thinking
1: that there aren't actual people who live in DC. They think everyone who's there is on vacation.
0: <laughs> but I do get it. Like then, it's it's not I, so much an uncommon to thing top. to do in in the airport with the people movers, you know, those escalators that are just horizontal. Yeah. Like people stay on the right, but it is a lot wider. But at
2: least least in the airport, I somewhat understand because you're carrying a bunch of luggage. And if there's someone on the metro who has a bunch of luggage, I'm pretty forgiving of that. I'm talking people who are carrying nothing. They just decide to sprawl their whole family out for a picnic in the middle of the goddamn escalator. Then they get to the top, and they stand at the top so that there's some weird lemming situation where everybody topples over each other because they need to take five minutes to stare at the Washington Monument.
0: And I'm assuming that this is during the march or the inauguration or just the entire weekend
2: no it it just just tourists in general but there's just been a lot of them lately and it's made getting around dc a hellscape it was already a hellscape because of Mm -hmm. the trump administration but this is just (laughs) anyway psa don't block don't block the escalators just psa yeah don't be a dick
1: Or Elisa's going to come and rip that pink pussy hat right off the top of your head and be like, I don't care why you're here, bitch. Get out of my way. For
2: real, for real. For real. So we're going
1: to go ahead and kick off the show with some listener feedback. Elisa, do you want to read this one from Anna?
2: Yeah, sure. So Anna wrote us and she says, guys, I need some advice. On this terrible inauguration day, my conservative father-in-law has been making positive Trump related posts on Facebook. Now, while I usually try to avoid the topics of politics and religion with my husband's family, I found these posts too much to bear. My husband and I have two young children, and the thought of them growing up around someone who supports Trump and his ideology is truly a scary thought for me. My husband, who does not agree with his family's political views, and who I have converted into an avid millennial listener, by the way, thinks that... He thinks that I'm being close-minded by not wanting my children to be around Trump supporters. He says that I'm as bad as Trump if I'm not exposing our children to people of every ideology. He thinks I should just ignore his father's posts and not bring them up when I see him. But the thought of my children being around racist, sexist people makes me really, really uncomfortable. Do you guys have any thoughts? I'm not quite sure what to do here. I truly value your opinions, and I know my husband does too.
1: Ooh, hmm. that's tough. It is tough. And I mean, I say that coming from a family of mostly Trump supporters myself. I mean, apart from my immediate nuclear family, I'm pretty sure everybody else voted for Trump. And it's definitely made, it's definitely been, uh, caused some strain, I would say. I don't personally feel inclined to cut people out of my life who voted for Trump, Um Particularly close family members with whom I have otherwise good relationships with, uh, we mostly just tend to avoid the topic altogether. Um, however, it has—I think—it's pretty clear to those individuals that racist, sexist, xenophobic, and and otherwise reprehensible commentary is not acceptable around me, and that I won't put up with hearing it. So I think one approach you could take is maybe not completely preventing them from seeing their grandfather, but making it very clear to him what sorts of things you won't tolerate him saying in front of them. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: It is difficult, though, the situation, Mm -hmm. because it, it also really depends on if your family members can carry on a civil argument about your differences and Mm -hmm. whether it really depends on the kind of person that you're arguing with, not necessarily what their views are, but how they view it.
2: I I would echo what Laura said. I think, first of all, Anna, seems to me like your entire priority here is your children. You're not thinking about your own sanity or what you like and don't like, you're thinking about your kids and how they're going to be influenced in the environment in which they're going to be raised. And these are their very formative years. So you're right to be concerned because you don't want something, you don't want a horrible racist or bigoted ideology to rub off on them, even if it's subtly, and for them to grow up that way. So I, I get where you're coming from and I am and I actually respect that a lot. I don't think it's realistic to cut out your husband's family in any meaningful way but I do agree with Laura. You have every right as a parent to lay down the law for any person, whether it's in-laws, your own parents, or Jesus himself. You have every right to say, you cannot say this in front of them. If I hear you saying it, then that's the last time you're seeing them. That's it, point blank. And you, you can make the rules not just for your kids, but... But for the people who have access to your kids, and mm-hmm. that's what I would do. They mm-hmm. have they have every right to support Trump and to believe what they believe and to post it even on Facebook, but you have every right to protect them from that. And so you can say to him, you can be around my kids as much as you want, but if anything slips, if I hear you start to say something along these lines or something along those lines, I'm not I'm not cool with that and that's going to be the last time that you see them. Um that's number 1. Number 2, i think i would point out also this the, the, the idea that if if you don't hear out trump's ideology that you're just as bad as trump i i get where that sense comes from and uh-huh. i would agree with it i would agree with it if trump was spewing a more normal conservative ideology if i think that for example, John McCain deserves to be heard out even if you disagree with him. Yes. I think that even even Paul Ryan deserves to be heard out even if you disagree with him. And if you turn your back on that ideology, yeah, you are kind of closed-minded. What the the ideology Trump spews is one of of bigotry and hate, and you cannot you cannot tolerate intolerance. There is a difference between uh, being being conservatively minded and having differences of opinion and being an outright bigot. Nobody in their right mind would say, you know who you should really be open-minded to? Mussolini. Just an idea. How <laughs> about Pol Pot? Pol Pot really deserves to be heard out. What? Wait,
0: who's There's he? There's a false
2: equivalency going on with people today where they keep saying, hear Trump out, give him a chance. You know, we gave Obama a chance, we gave Bush a chance. Uh, he's not them.
0: Yeah, they're not even in the same career field.
2: Not well, they be- are now. <laughs> The last thing I would say also is that I do think it's I do think you had to pick and choose your battles, but if you're worried about your kids, it's important that your kids see somebody standing up to that kind of bigotry and ideology. I so I don't think you it, it is reasonable to comment on every post or to make everything a big issue. That would be a nightmare for you and your husband and your whole family. Mm-hmm. But if something truly egregious is said or done that really just you you really don't want to hold back then don't because if you want your kids to be strong-willed people um you know lead by example
0: i think just transparency is Mm -hmm. is key
2: i do think i do think i do think your husband's right you have to you have to ignore some of the posts you have to ignore some of them there's going to be too many over the course of four or god forbid eight years um to, to comment or to argue with every single one uh, but like I said before it's also worth it's also worth commenting on the on the really big egregious stuff especially if it's said in front of your kids maybe that's where the distinction should be made you can ignore stuff if it's in the privacy of his own home or it's not being exposed to your children but the minute it does that's where you draw the line I don't know that's yeah I agree my thought yeah Um, Okay. Well, thank you,
1: Anna. Uh, If anybody ever has any other feedback or questions or whatever that they want to share with us, you can write to us at millennialshow at gmail.com. And we do have a confessional here. These are anonymously submitted through our website, millennial.com slash confessional. Matt's going to read this one.
0: In a month or so, I'm visiting Harry Potter World in Orlando with my family. I live pretty far away from them and I'm taking an extra day off for this trip because screw work. And I thought I'd stroll around Disney for an extra day before my family arrives. I am a strong, independent woman, but I'm also scared of doing this on my own. I've read a tip on a travel blog that you can use Bumble to find a travel buddy when you're on a trip. Apparently, there's a friend-finding mode for girls only. I'm intrigued by the concept, but I'm also scared I'll be bamboozled and robbed and I won't be able to defend myself because I'm pretty sure I can't bring my taser into disney what are your thoughts on this idea and on looking for friendship through an app or in general thanks
1: it's a good question yeah, it um, is interesting
0: i mean you two I are mean, women right you, you answer this
1: <laughs> that's i've i've been told um that i am um so i mean i would just first of all like to say that um anybody who might be listening and thinking like what like it's orlando it's Harry Potter world. It's Disney world. You're going to be fine. Like, you know, crime can happen anywhere and women traveling alone do tend to be bigger targets for that kind of thing. So I understand the question. I just want to establish that first. I think it's a valid question. Um, that said, I think it's totally awesome that you've decided to like venture out and do this on your own. I think it's going to be super empowering for you. And I think it's a really good idea to use an app like Bumble to find a travel buddy. I don't see the problem with that. I would maybe just exercise some caution like you would when you're meeting any other stranger off the internet. Like, you know, maybe don't agree to split a hotel with them before you meet them. Agree to meet them in like a well-lit populated place like the three broomsticks, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, apart from that, I think it sounds fine. And I understand why you'd want to do that. It seems like a good way to meet new people um, and to feel more comfortable while you're traveling.
0: Yeah, I do it. It's a good environment, too. I mean, like you mm-hmm. s- like, like, um, like this person said, I'm, I'm assuming it's a she because she's a strong, independent woman. But I think also a little bit of the uh, nervousness is because you're doing something for the first time that you haven't done before. Mm-hmm. So you could also be adding like that aspect to your anxiety and, and nervousness, but it's a completely valid, uh, valid fear. But yeah. I think the the environment that you're doing this in is a, is an amazing environment to to begin with.
1: yeah, it's, it's an, so much fun. you're gonna love it
0: and you you are in a very widely populated yet closely surveillanced area, and I think once you get there, like that weight is just gonna be lifted exponentially. so mm-hmm. I would be excited, but I but like Laura said, I would also be. You know, cautious, but n- no more cautious than you I would be in general. I
2: I I don't think there's anything wrong with using Bumble or a, no. or anything else to find a travel buddy. Just like Laura said, definitely, definitely meet like in a super public area, like out in the open. Maybe even by like the security desk. <laughs> be like, hey, let's meet by the security desk. Um, so long as you do that, you'll probably be fine. So go if that's if you think that having a buddy is gonna make you more comfortable, then definitely go for it. I would I would do it in a heartbeat. I don't think it's any different than online dating. In fact, it's probably a lot safer and cooler than online dating. <laughs> um, definitely. That being said, I wouldn't underestimate the value of just traveling by yourself anyway. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's something that people should do at least once in their lives. There's something very calming and fun about just exploring a place by yourself. You're beholden to no one. Mm -hmm. You can just roam around freely. And there's sort of this weird quiet that descends on your head that you're not used to when you have to constantly be holding a conversation and somebody else's attention. And it's really, even though it's an exciting atmosphere, it becomes a really relaxing experience because you're able to go at your own pace and move around and and just be with yourself. I think it's a really enriching valuable thing to just be with yourself once in a while. So I don't I, write I that off. Either. It
0: is really important. I think all of us have this kind of instance every once in a while because sometimes it, you can get lost with what kind of interests you have like when you hang out with like if you're in a relationship where you go out with a, a big group you don't really just think about your needs because you also have to put other needs other people's needs into account as well so when you do these kind of these kind of ventures it's really relaxing because all you have to worry about is yourself
1: uh well thank you for that uh, again if you want to submit an anonymous confessional it can be about anything um, you can go to millennial.com slash confessional, and we might read it here on the show. All right. Now we're going to move into some news. Uh, we first wanted to go ahead and talk about the women's marches that happened all over the world this past Saturday. Um, Matt and I were actually both at marches uh, in L.A. and Atlanta. Yeah. Um, we know we know how Elisa feels about the marchers who were in D.C. <laughs>
2: I love them. I love them. I just wish that they had been able to teleport themselves instead of having to use mass transit. That's all.
0: Hello, yeah. Uh Elisa, did you get a chance to to take a look at the march at all that day?
2: Yeah, so I drove so I was I was in close proximity. It didn't take much to be in close proximity. Over half a million people turned out for the DC march. Um so th- the city was swamped. I was so determined to go, but was incredibly sick. You guys might remember last last week I had no voice.
0: Mm-hmm. Believe it
2: or not, it actually got worse after that, um, to the point where I was like almost passing out. So I wasn't able to make it, but everyone I know went. Uh, a couple of quick numbers that are out that I think are super impressive. Um, estimates vary between three and four million nationwide, but that's where they stand. Three to four million people came out to march in the women's marches um that day dc had a little over half a million hundred fifty thousand is the estimate not a single arrest by the way yeah
0: not that one. is amazing
2: we're talking a buttload of people not a single arrest or confront or confrontation at least not one that was um you know re- required police i think that's incredibly impressive Um, and the cool thing about it is that the, the organizers, there's, the organizers are actually making an effort to carry this on and not just have it be a one day thing. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there was an article, I think it might've been slate that said the women's marches, a movement or a moment and was sort of, sort of analyzing and being critical of this idea that maybe... It would be another Occupy Wall Street in that great numbers, great in theory, everyone's behind the principles of it, but not organized enough to actually to actually enact policy change. Um, so we're, we're going to talk about that in a minute, I think. But first, since I couldn't make it, I just want to get your guys' impressions of what it was like in Atlanta and L.A. Totally. Um,
1: so first of all, Uh, We sort of shattered expectations here in Atlanta in terms of turnout. The Facebook event for this only had a few thousand people confirmed to go. In the end, we had 60,000 people show up. Um, It was pretty incredible. It was so big that they had a hard time starting the march. Um, Our march was supposed to begin at 2 o'clock. And it didn't start until almost three because we would like shuffle up a little bit and then everybody would stop. And it was just because it was so big and it had nowhere to go. Um, so I think there was some last minute like rerouting of of. Of the march that had to happen so that we could move. Um, So it definitely was one of the smaller marches when you compare it to, you know, LA and Chicago and things like that. But I was pretty proud of us. I feel like we turned out very mighty here in Atlanta. Um, And I really felt that just based on what I saw. Personally, in the in the march, that a lot of the theme, like themes of intersectionality were being represented very well by the crowd here. Definitely, a few assholes for sure who were doing stupid shit, which we're going to talk about later. Um, but overall, I I walked away with a really positive experience and um, a really good vibe from it, and hoping that they're actually going to take this movement and continue the momentum to try and get actual policy influenced.
0: As as big as Atlanta is, that's that's a huge turnout.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Los Angeles, I'm, I've been trying to find a an accurate estimation, but they have been literally all over the place. It has it, it ranges right now, it's either between 750,000 or 350,000. So or 500,000. Regardless of the fact it's that's a lot of fucking people. It took me about two hours to get there on the metro. It was so crowded that I actually had to, me and my group, we had to actually go the opposite direction just so we can get on the train and then just ride it out to the end of that line and then just wait until it started again in the opposite direction, the direction we wanted to go to get to downtown. I think what I really loved about the march was how polite everybody was to each other and how positive it was. Um, -hmm. everybody was having a great conversation about each other's signs and they were giving each other hugs, taking pictures with each other. It was, it was honestly like a, almost kind of like a Harry Potter convention, you know, where everyone are, they're strangers, but they all have a common interest and drive for something. And it felt like we all had that.
2: So on that note, I thought it it is important for us to actually talk about... The, the agenda and the policy goals that the marchers had because we saw all over cable news, you know, the images and the numbers and the massive amount of people who turned out way exceed expectations, and that's great. But all of it is frankly sort of meaningless if it doesn't, if it's not translated into action, if it doesn't continue beyond just that one day in this one week. Um, and I thought it would be worth to note a couple of, the policy, the policy items that, that are important to the march organizers. So if you go to their website, womensmarch.com, they have a page called Principles, and this is the opening paragraph. It says, We believe that women's rights are human rights, and human rights are women's rights. We must create a society in which women, including black women, native women, poor women, immigrant women, disabled women, Muslim women, lesbian, queer, and trans women, are free and able to care for and nurture their families however they are formed in safe and healthy environments, free from structural impediments. Then they go on to list some of their most important causes, ending violence, reproductive rights, LGBTQIA rights, workers' rights, civil rights, disability rights, immigrant rights, and environmental justice um i was thrilled to see this because i think it's pretty inclusive
1: mm-hmm. i'm
2: sure it's not like a you know there's there's always going to be something that you know we wish they had said this or mentioned that but sure. it's far more inclusive than i've seen past marches of any kind of any kind feminist marches or women's marches or not this was very at least from an organ an organizer standpoint very intersectional, and I was really happy about that. And I know a lot of people are really happy about that. I saw everybody talking about how important it was mm-hmm. to not make this a march just for straight, white, cis, you know, privileged white women. Um, not that not that those people aren't also marginalized in many ways, but that can't be just about them as it often is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was super exciting for me. But... Since then I don't know I have a little bit Of of a bone to pick Because there's been So much So much hate Directed at the Women's marches Not by conservatives But by liberals And I I have Some very complicated Feelings about this Have you guys seen Any of this On your own Social feeds I I, I
0: read that That little uh, Op-ed That's been going Around the internet Lately Is that what You're referring to
1: there are a couple of different ones There's that are going around, um, but I think some of the a lot of the criticism that has been happening has not. I, I just want to be clear, hasn't been of the women's march and the unity principles themselves that were laid out by right. the founders. It's been of marchers, like isolated events of people in the march being douchebags, and. I definitely saw some of that happening in the Atlanta March. Um, I was there with a group of my friends. At one point, a couple of my friends started a Black Lives Matter chant, and we all, like, kicked in. And this fucking white lady turns to my friend and goes, all lives matter. Oh, Christ. And it's like, it's not about you. (laughs) This, like, this particular moment, this particular chant is not about you.
0: This and one thing like, is for them. Y-
1: yeah, and it's like, and it's, it's just that moment where it's like, well, and then we had some fucking Bernie Bros who decided to get in the parade and start chanting, "Bernie would have won." And again, we were like, "It's not about you." <laughs> like, please go <laughs> fuck, go fuck yourself. I saw those
0: signs too, and what really pisses me off about that is you We can you can have the same argument about Hillary, and Hillary did win the popular vote. And yeah. they're saying, "Yeah, well, you know, Bernie didn't have his chance. Well, no, he did. And he lost. And so Get did Hillary. Worked. So
1: nobody, nobody's there. The point of the march was not to argue about who should have won the election. The point of the march is how we move forward because of who won the mm-hmm. election. Like, exactly. how do we fucking handle this? And so I definitely get where people are coming from. I've read a lot of accounts of, and it's fucking disgusting, for instance, of of um, Native women who are dressed in traditional clothing, having random other women, generally white women in the march, stop and take pictures of them without their consent, treat them like they're novelties, and I I get that. I understand that that must really make you feel like that you're there as a show and not as an accepted part of the march. I would definitely say I don't think that that's the intention of the founders of this march. I don't think it's the intention of the march, but I do think there were a lot of really fucked up individuals doing fucked up things during these marches. And... We have to fuck and I, I'm gonna say this. We white people have to stop doing this
2: shit. Because I think more importantly, like, hmm. we have to we have to we have to butt in when we see people doing yes, it. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Because I what bothers me is I really genuinely don't believe it's the majority or even half of no. of of white people at that march who are doing who were, for example, fucking with the native people's circles and, um, you know, taking pictures of them and treating them like commodities. I don't think it... it, I could be wrong. I highly fucking doubt it. But you know what? The majority of people did stand by and do nothing. They Mm -hmm. did stand by and keep walking. And that's where there is... That's where there's valid criticism versus invalid criticism. Don't blame all of them for doing it because that's not fair. But you can criticize them... For not for not using their privilege to step up and say something about it.
1: Yeah. I read a really disturbing account of um, a young black woman who talked about trying to get on a DC metro train on the day of the march.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And how this woman in one of the pink pussy hats, like, physically barred her from entering the train because she was claiming that her child was getting crushed because the train was full. And all of these women that were also wearing these pink hats were on this train, clearly seeing that this young woman definitely had room to get on and this lady was just being a bitch, not letting her on the train. But they all stood by and did nothing. And they just let this poor woman feel completely ostracized, and, like, this wasn't something she could be a part of. So I think that's kind of the point that Elise is driving home right now, is, like, probably everybody in that car was sitting there thinking, mortified, oh, my God, this is awful. But when you stand
2: by and you let that shit happen, you're just as culpable. You're complicit. You're part of the problem. And I don't give a shit about your fuzzy little feelings and how good your Mm -hmm. intentions are inside your head. When you sit on your ass and you see something like that and you don't say anything like, like who gives a shit? There's some, there's some quote. I can't remember who said it. Something about your ideas, ideas without action become no larger than the brain cells they occupy. Mm -hmm. You can have a great idea and wonderful intentions and you can be, you can hate that woman on the Metro. But if you don't say anything, if you don't stand up for the woman who's being victimized there, then what the fuck are you even doing? Yeah. Um, the la- I will say to to Laura's point though, I do want to defend the movement and mm-hmm. from liberals, and that's what is, that is. What's crazy to me is is first of all, the point that Laura just made. I think was that there were there were fucked up instances of people either being insensitive or just outright egregiously offensive at every March. Um, and you're going to find that in every movement and it is despicable and it does need to be called out and it does need to be addressed. But I think that there has to be, there must be a distinction between calling out these instances that you see and then writing off the entire movement and the principles for which it stands as something not worthy of your support. There has to be a distinction there. And the example that I was discussing with Laura earlier in the day is Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter gets a bunch of shit that it shouldn't, that it doesn't deserve. And for even myself, for example, when I was at Union Station um, on Inauguration Day, I saw a massive Black Lives Matter protest. And they were doing some things that I found really offensive and fucked up. They burned a giant uh, cutout doll of a police officer and took turns punching it while they screamed, fuck police. I think that's terrible, frankly. I think that's terrible. Um, and I guarantee you that had that made it to the news, that people would have used it as cause to not support Black Lives Matter. They would have said, look at these hooligans, look at these thugs who are just burning police burning images and dolls and cutouts of police officers inciting violence is that really what you want to get behind that's not fair do we know that, that was black a- lives matter though like was it well, like in they, the- it, was, it was it was it was it was branded as black lives matter Gotcha. But that, okay. it it was it was they were all wearing BLM t-shirts and they were all in get-outs and stuff like that. Um, Got gotcha. But yeah. w- wasn't that an anarchist group? My point though? is that's that's not that's not fair because Black Lives Matter is a much larger movement than however many people were at Union Station that day. And the principles for which they stand are still good solid principles that we should all be getting behind regardless of how a few or even a few hundred people choose to express them, that you have mm-hmm. to be able to separate out the people uh, from from the movement. There can't be this effect of sort of ad hominem attacks where you're attacking the people and then allowing that to cloud your judgment of what they're saying and of what the principle is. Yeah. And you can be critical of one and not of the other, by the way. And so I think just like we just like we always preach here that Black Lives Matter is a worthy cause and that we on the show support it, uh, despite instances that I have seen with my own eyes of it being pretty fucked up at times, I would ask for the same support as a feminist for women's marches.
1: Yeah. I think I did just want to bring this up because I, I think that it's a well-taken point. But I think one of the big frustrations that people are feeling as a result of this is like, okay, so we've established that in the women's marches and in movements like Black Lives Matter, individuals can be responsible for some fucked up acts. That's a given. But the difference is how we treat those groups of individuals. Black Lives Matter has a protest and they're met with riot gear, right? Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Women go out to march and protest and... It's largely met with, at least in my experience, it was a pretty tame police presence. It was. Yeah. And
2: I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that at all. But once again, you, you shouldn't blame one movement. You shouldn't blame the movement or the march or the marchers for the systemic discrimination that exists. So just because just because the women's marches were given the benefit of the doubt or, or Black Lives Matter didn't, we can recognize that that's true. And it is true that the women's marches were given a benefit that BLM isn't. But that's not the women's marchers' fault. And and you shouldn't be saying that the movement and that the women's marches are somehow less than or less than worthy of support because they're privileged. If you don't recognize the privilege, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. But if you blame them for the privilege, they didn't, That I, I don't think that that's fair.
1: Well, I would take it a step further and say that As And and I'm saying this as a white woman. If I can't recognize my own privilege to be able to walk down the street and protest without being met by police officers with riot gear and batons, then that just goes to show why more white women aren't out there protesting with Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if you can truly recognize the weight of your privilege and you can throw that behind a women's march, you should also be throwing it behind Black Lives Matter marches. You should also be getting out on the streets with them.
2: I was shocked that that the protests at Union Station didn't that there weren't police there. I thought for sure when I got there, it was relatively tame. I mean, they were screaming, fuck, fuck police and whatever. But like, who cares? They were it, it was it was pretty tame, but then they started lighting all this shit on fire, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And I st- actually started recording because I thought for sure that there was going to be some like kerfuffle that I was going to get on CNN, and I was shocked that that there wasn't. But yeah, um, that's during the march the or the inauguration. No, no, no. During during the inauguration, I'm not saying that's the norm. I'm saying I'm surprised. Yeah. Um The other the other thing. I wanted to bring up to this point about liberals shitting all over feminism lately and women's marches is there was a lot of, a lot of pushback about, about vaginas because there were people with signs that had vaginas, um, on them or saying my uterus matters and and things like that. And there were a lot of a lot of liberals who took issue with that because they were saying it was transphobic, no,
0: um,
2: and it wasn't inclusive of the trans the trans community. Um, I I've given this a lot of thought, and I've and I've read a lot from from the trans community about this issue to try and understand better. I I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's fair. I think that there was transphobia. There is transphobia all over the place, including at women's marches. But I think that it's really unfair to tell uh, a cis woman who who does happen to have a uterus that she's not allowed to express genuine concern for that uterus when it's being legislated against by her government. I agree. Um, I, 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 now, I if, agree. if if, just like Laura said earlier, if, if I, for example, if I don't also support the struggles that are unique to trans women, if I make them feel unwelcome at the marches, or if I tell them that they can't understand or, or anything along those lines, that is transphobic and that is not inclusive and I should be held to task for that. But by simply showing up and saying, you're not going to grab this pussy... That's not transphobic. That is a that is directly related to the statements that were made by our president. He used that word, and when we're talking about abortions and reproductive rights, we are talking about women who happen to have uteruses, um, and that that can't be whitewashed or, or overlooked. And I have every right, every right to be angry and scared, and concerned about myself and my uterus, and to express that concern without being called a bigot.
1: I would also point out, too, something to consider is there are actually many, many owners of what I like to call uteri who are not women. Right. So, I mean, it's... It's worth pointing out that have, that holding up a representation of a uterus does not say this equals femininity, this equals being a woman. If I saw a sign that said that, if I saw somebody with a picture of a uterus that said uterus
2: equals woman, I would be like, what the fuck? That is that, that, That's bullshit. That would be transphobic, because yes. then you're making a direct correlation between mm-hmm. having that specific thing, and that's the only way that you can be or identify as a woman. That is fucked up. And if there were signs and and and, and, and people there expressing that, then there sh- they should be called out, no question. But that's not what I saw in D.C., at least. In D.C., where it's just a straight-up picture of a literal uterus from like an anatomy book. And like the sign said, "Don't legislate my uterus." I, 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 think that is a fair statement to make. Mm-hmm. I think that is a good statement to make. I think that that we have a right to make that statement and to be afraid uh, yeah. about the legislation, and it's without with without being called bigots or, or or transphobic.
1: I think that a valid point that I've seen from a lot of people is that okay, like. You as a white woman, you started feeling scared for your body in 2016. Congratulations. Like the rest of us have been scared for our bodies for a whole lot longer. So I kind of I can I can definitely understand where the resentment can come from. I'm not saying that it necessarily comes from that, but the impression that I'm getting from a lot of people who are criticizing that particular part you know, using the uterus um, as a symbol in this, Um, I can understand that they're like, well, my body's been under attack forever. And where were you when I was being attacked? And now all of a sudden numbers are being called out to defend women with uteruses and so i'm i'm just trying to understand where people are coming from because that's not
2: the criticism i've heard it's not at all i personally i've been hearing so straight up that it is is it's transphobic to just to talk to have to for example there were some people walking around with with these masks that made it look like their mouths were vaginas and um, the the top of the mask said, don't legislate my pussy or you're not going to grab this pussy. And that, that was transphobic, I and, so to other 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 arguments may well be valid. But that one, the one that I'm seeing all over the place is, in my opinion, not a valid okay. criticism. And I would and I would also say, by the way, that that. That white women with uteruses have not just been scared recently because of Donald Trump. We've been scared our whole lives, too. Not because of race. Not because of trans issues. We can't relate to that. And it would be disingenuous and wrong to suggest that we can. And we should be supportive of those other things. But it would be also disingenuous to say that we've only been scared for the past week. That's not fair. I can tell you I've been scared my whole goddamn life. Not for the same reasons. I can't relate on every level, but as a woman with a uterus, I've always been scared. I'm just a little more scared now. Mm-hmm. Instead of I, instead now, of an eight out of ten, I'm a nine out of ten. I, I, I do I, I think, feel you.
0: I, I do feel though that I should say, after all this, the the trans community had a a big presence in the in the L.A. march, and it was really it was really welcoming to see that community who has been oppressed for a very long time being more outspoken and more comfortable w- with the general public. I know LA has a very large trans community and we we have a not so good relationship, but I I was very happy to see that that presence was there during the march.
1: Mhm. Yeah. And I do want to say, like, I just wanted to bring up that last point to you, Elisa, just because I'm I'm truly trying to understand where people are coming from, because um, I've just been talking with a lot of my friends about this after a few of us went to the march together. And a friend of mine said something really that kind of struck me. And she said um, something along the lines of, if my feminism isn't intersectional, then it's bullshit. and. Those words really hit me, and I'm trying really hard to make sure that I'm paying attention. So I definitely want to hear from people. If you feel like there's something that, like, we missed today, or if you have a counterpoint to this, please write in and let us know. MillennialShow at gmail.com. We'd be glad to share your thoughts. Anything else about the Women's Marches before we move on?
2: No. This is the last thing. And it's not related to that specific topic. Mm -hmm. Leading up to the election, there was a lot of conversation about about Republicans needing to get their house in order, get their Mm -hmm. party together, and how they were obviously so fractured and so divided because they had the extremists on one side, they had the alt-right, then they had the old school moderates, and oh God, what were conservatives going to do? They were so split and so divided turns out the joke is on us they're not the ones who were split and divided we are the liberals are and there's that old adage that republicans or rather that liberals fall in love republicans fall in line and you can say what you will about that for better or for worse but i think it's true and i think that so long as it continues to be true we are in deep trouble we will keep losing elections. And so long as we keep fighting with each other over whether or not you're allowed to hold up a sign with a uterus, we will keep losing. And elections are not philosophical thought experiments. They have real actionable consequences. When you decide that you're not going to vote or that you're going to equivocate one liberal to being just as bad as Donald Trump, that you're going to hold out petty grudges about Things like, you know, the way that the primaries went down. When you let these, in the grand scheme of things, small things, divide your vote and divide the liberal base, we will keep losing. We will get more Trumps over and over and over again until you will be begging for somebody to shove a pussy in your face. You'll be begging for that because that will be so much better than living under a regime where you have no rights, where you can't get married anymore, where you can't get an abortion anymore, where you are even more of a second class citizen than you already are. Now you're a fourth class citizen. That is what will happen. Liberals need to get their shit together. I think that that the 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 really far left like Bernie supporting folks and the more moderate like Hillary folks and everyone in between they're all right. They're all great. I will vote and support any one of them yep. over the conservatives right now. Any fucking one. You put any Democrat up there right now who's who's a liberal, that that person, get behind that person. You're not going to fall in love with every single part of them and who they are and how they got there. You're not going to. It's not it's not realistic. Fall in line, fall in fucking line or this is what's going to keep happening for the foreseeable elections. That's yeah.
1: It. Who was it who set who had that famous quote that was like, I don't belong to an organized party. I'm a Democrat. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's legit. Yeah, it well, I really remember that is. one
0: that one blonde sh- conservative chick who said on the Daily Show, uh, "I don't. I'm a millennial. I don't believe in labels."
1: Oh yeah, Tommy Lawrence She's a great. <laughs> that's bitch. it. Anyway, um, yeah. So speaking of things that are coming straight from hell, hell, because of liberals not being able to get their shit together this election, we uh, had. Trump say some interesting things about numbers. There have been a lot of interesting things about numbers coming out of the Trump administration in the first three days in office. Um, Trump has recently said that three to five million illegal votes were cast, which is what caused him to lose the popular vote. Is this true, Elisa, or is this an alternate fact?
2: Well, it's definitely an alternate fact. (laughs) It's definitely an alternate something. Um, I, reality. This is this is shocking to me. It should be shocking to everybody. Three to five million, and by the way, he called them illegals. Of um, course. You want to be offended oh, yeah. about something, be offended by that. Well,
0: he hasn't said so, illegals in a while, so, you know, you got to keep the public in check.
2: <laughs> yeah, the clock was running out on that one. He had to say it again. Fucking asshole. So, he says, he says that three to five million illegals cast a vote, and that by the way, he happens to know how many there were, and he also thinks that they all um, voted for Clinton. <laughs> and, that's why, and that's why he lost the popular vote. Now, where did he get this information? I don't know. Presumably up his own asshole, because the White House has released no, no statement, no numbers, no evidence, no data point, nothing to prove this. And in fact, their own party has come out now and said, please, President Trump. Please, just fucking stop already. Oh, yeah, it was Lindsey Graham who said it yeah, today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Senator Graham said something along the lines of, "I." he literally said, quote, I am begging President Trump to release whatever information he has that makes him think this. And if he doesn't have information, then I'm begging him to stop saying it. And the reason being, he said, and, and, and even Paul Ryan has said that, that this isn't true, it really calls into question that entire democratic process um, and 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 to me is the first chapter from an authoritarian playbook because mm-hmm. once you start once you start saying, oh, the votes aren't real or these votes happened over here, no one's seeing them but me once once you coalesce the power of the election around just what the president thinks without any proof or evidence, Then he can think himself into power again, not just in four years, but four years after that and Mm -hmm. four years after that. Mm -hmm. That's that's how this works.
1: The only other place that I've seen this claim of a few million illegal votes being cast in favor of Clinton was on Donald Trump's own Twitter handle right after the election.
0: I just don't understand. Though the guy, the man, won the office, and he is still arguing about the way that the
1: election was held. Well, this is all coming on the heels of the fact that his inauguration was very underwhelming in terms of turnout. Oh my and god! And the fact that on his first day in office, more people showed up to protest him than did to show than for his inauguration. Not to mention the worldwide turnout on that same day. So, uh, I mean, there have been leaked reports of like Trump aides saying that he was fucking losing his mind (laughs) all day on Friday and Saturday, just seeing how people were responding to this. Of course, you can only take that with a grain of salt because they're all unnamed sources, so who the fuck knows. New York Times and Politico were reporting it, so it's at least not CNN. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems like he is really our child in chief. And he gets so upset when the numbers don't suit his narrative that he does things like send his brand new press secretary out to bald face lie about what the viewing numbers of the inauguration were.
0: We had two amazingly entertaining press junkets. Wait, did you, I'm sure you girls heard the, the argument that he had about his claim on Saturday about the inauguration crowd was the biggest view yes. ever. And when he clarified, he said, no, I said the biggest view in person and on the internet. I don't know how you could have read that any other way. And the way that he was saying it was contradicting to what he meant. He, w- Oh God, I fucking hate him. He's been mansplaining the entire junkets this whole weekend.
1: Yeah, Sorry. he basically, he just, Sean Spicer just talks in circles, and anytime he doesn't know the answer to something, his answer is, well, I think the president has been very clear. <laughs> That's always his response. Well, um, it's, so either we'll that or, it's either that, or I think
0: I've said this already. I'm pretty sure I answered this question yesterday. I'm pretty sure I answered this just now.
1: Yeah. Although I will say, I'm really excited about those four Skype chairs they're going to have. <laughs> In the briefing room now where they got get in there. How I know do we
0: get on this Skype chat. We're, and of course, he's going to do this just so they can get Breitbart news yeah. in on the press junket asking questions.
1: Yeah, exactly. The whole point is to get uh, journalists from all over the country and journalists from like, you know, Russia. lesser qualified <laughs> outlets to be able to ask questions. Uh, I think that we should get a millennial question in there.
0: Yeah. I wonder if we can get can. Um, face from Nick Jr. on.
1: Burp, burp, burp. Yeah. And then all of a sudden one day you're going to have American journalist Wolf Blitzer. <laughs> Mr. Trump. That's so funny. That was, did you guys see SNL with Putin now?
0: Uh,
2: yeah, 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 I okay. did. Yeah. Oh
0: man, speaking yeah. of SNL, did you guys watch uh, the opening monologue with Aziz Azari's? stand up
2: yeah I did mm-hmm. it was
0: really good you don't have to watch the episode it, it kind of was kind of was shit but Aziz Azari had an amazing <laughs> opening opening monologue
2: he said something to the effect of I know it's scary right now but history will tell you that in the end presidents don't affect the most change large crowds of angry people do and if you're, and if his first day on the job is any indication then well done
1: yeah oh my god this is guys i i didn't want the next four years to be like this i wanted us to talk about butt plugs and my god we're on day four i know we're on day four and like how many executive orders do we have like a lot (laughs) i thought those were the devil i guess not when a republican's doing them but anyway i'll leave that shade right there at the door elisa i think that we uh have somebody else who's under fire but it's not donald trump
2: no it's not it's not it's not it's not the trumpster uh it's snapchat weirdly enough so this is strange because uh they're actually being let off the hook so here's the story last april a georgia resident named crystal mcgee was trying to reach 100 miles per hour on a highway south of atlanta when she collided with wentworth and karen maynard now, Wentworth Maynard sustained permanent brain damage as a result of the crash. Investigators discovered that Crystal McGee was trying to reach 100 miles per hour because Snapchat has a feature that will put the rate at which your vehicle is traveling over top of an image. So she was basically just trying to like impress her friends and her followers or whatever else. The judge ruled um, under something called the Communications Decency Act that Snapchat was immune from responsibility for this and that this was 100% McGee's fault. Um, The court has not yet decided McGee's fate, but there you have it. Snapchat obviously is super excited because this has been um, in the court system since April, and they thought for sure for a while there that they were going to have to dish out millions of dollars uh, because of this feature on their app.
1: You know, I think we've had several discussions about this before. You know, to what extent should tech companies be held accountable for people doing stupid shit like this? You know, especially right. when you've got a feature that's very clearly intended to be used while driving. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there are excuses that well, we don't intend for people to actually be Snapchatting while they're driving, perhaps while they're a passenger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I think in the end that. I don't think Snapchat should be held accountable for that because I think it was just this person's stupid shit that unfortunately uh, <clears throat> destroyed the life of somebody else. So, Well, did she impress her followers? I think that's, <laughs> that's the question. That's like, the important question. <laughs> yeah,
0: like it wouldn't have been worth it. Well, I hate yeah, Snapchat you know, anyways, so. I
1: don't. Yeah, I hate, this is like, why I don't I, use I, Snapchat. I still don't understand
0: how to use it. I'm like, an I always old look person. really
1: ugly in Snapchats for whatever reason. It just doesn't, doesn't catch my best side.
2: Apparently, Matt, the way you use it is by getting in your car and speeding <laughs> until you hit someone. <laughs> oh, I don't understand I be, this. I bet, I bet I, you anything Andrew has done this. I, oh, for oh, sure. For sure. I, absolutely. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I was doing read it this, right thought, now. Oh my God. Did Andrew change his name to Crystal McGee? <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> And he move in with Laura because this happened in Georgia. I get I, I agree that ultimately it's it's McGee's fault like this is a clear clear case of personal responsibility and someone just being fucking unhinged and irresponsible. But what the fuck Snapchat? Why would you have that feature anyway? You have to know that someone's going to to abuse that. I mean, people are going to abuse everything, but this seems particularly stupid, frankly.
1: Yep, yeah, definitely. Stupid.
2: Whatever. People are dumbass. Idiots.
1: All right. Uh, now we're going to move on to a game called Devil's Advocate. This is a game that Elisa always likes to make me go first on. Uh, it's the <laughs> game where we have to take a topic, any topic, and argue in favor of the opinion that opposes our own. So, for instance, if the topic I'm given is abortion, I'm pro choice. I would therefore have to argue a pro life position. Uh, Today, we're going to be using the theme of Donald Trump's many executive orders. Uh, So far, he actually has more executive orders than he has days in office, which is pretty impressive. Uh, Just to give you a quick rundown of some of the things he's done, um, he's, of course, already uh, signed an order that directs federal agencies to ease the, quote, regulatory burdens of Obamacare. Um, He's imposed a hiring freeze for some federal government workers. Um, He's also withdrawing us from the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership Trade Deal. Uh, He's reinstating the so-called Mexico City policy, which is a ban on federal funds to international groups that perform abortions or lobby to legalize or promote abortion. Um, And then also, most recently, he has signed two orders reviving the Keystone XL pipeline and the Dakota Access pipelines, which, of course, we all remember were really uh big contentious stories last year. So if I understand correctly, Elisa, you're going to pick one of these executive orders yeah. and make each of us argue the opposite of how we feel about it.
2: Yeah. Gosh, so it's all gonna be pretty. shit. <laughs> yeah. So good fucking luck, guys. Um Fuck. Sh- <laughs> I really shouldn't <laughs> um, <laughs> i'm genuinely like oh fuck how do we i got the timer ready oh shit go ahead oh hello um okay so how about we start since you decided to use this as your example laura the anti-abortion executive order um the gag rule did you hear you talked about this oh yes 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 i did okay okay how about we? How about you argue the opposite of how you really feel about that? <laughs> I wonder how that's going to be.
1: How that's going to go? All right, I'm setting on setting a timer now. I'm personally really thrilled to see that Donald Trump has signed an executive order um, preventing funding, you know, U.S. like federal taxpayer dollars from, first of all, going to aid other countries. We need those dollars here at home to take care of women and children here. But furthermore, I'm glad that we are preventing that money from going and destroying families abroad through the act of providing abortions. There's very little accountability that we can have for these charities and agencies that are working abroad claiming to provide women's health care. I, for one, have never seen a breakdown of the kinds of services that they provide. We have enough of a hard time getting those kinds of breakdowns from Planned Parenthood, as shown during um, Jason Chaffetz's wonderful breakdown of the decrease in (laughs) breast exams and increase in abortions at Planned Parenthood (laughs) over the last few years. Um, Did you write this
2: out beforehand? No,
1: I I did not.
2: I didn't know I was doing this. You're a closet pro-lifer. It's, it's an easy position to
1: argue because it's stupid. Um, so at any rate, I truly feel that if we want to be helping people abroad, we need to be implementing programs that are actually going to affect the communities that are seeing such unprecedented rates of growth and crime and things like that so like maybe rather than aborting all of these children we actually send missionaries down to help educate them or to help teach Uh them marketable skills that will ultimately benefit their communities rather than killing them i don't want to spend the tax dollars to do it here and i don't want to spend them to do it there either
0: (laughs) boom oh boom (laughs) good job
1: I did
2: it. Now, if only you had, if only you had done that whole rant in your quintessential Southern lady accent. You know,
1: I didn't. I, I didn't. I thought it might be too much. Yeah, I, I was yeah. kind of going for more of a Tommy Lauren Laren approach. Was there I? Not, you go. Was I not? Was I not aggressive enough? No, you were. No, pretty, no, pretty calm. Okay, I need to work on that. Sort of, I need to yell I into the of, microphone more.
2: It really. It it makes me warm and fuzzy though to know that even when it's you some someone I love my head automatically still tunes you out when I hear <laughs> this kind of shit it's just it, I feel good about myself like I seriously I was with you until like halfway through and then I just started fiddling with my jewelry I was like what the-? it's because you hate
1: the unborn <laughs> bitch <laughs>
2: The, un- the unborn <laughs> jesus
1: christ
0: sounds like a horror movie
2: <laughs> sounds like the old testament um, the unborn the, yeah. all right matt it's your turn <laughs> matt it's your turn so for you I, we so okay president trump has forbid uh park services and other uh agencies like the epa from tweeting Or putting out any social media whatsoever particularly related to climate change he's already asked them okay no or told them rather you have to shut down your media efforts to raise awareness on this issue just stop Um, and we actually saw earlier today that Badlands National Park defied that order and tweeted out a bunch of pro climate science tweets despite Trump's orders not to do that anymore um, the tweets have since been taken down, but I want to hear your stance or rather the opposite of your stance. Devil's advocate for why uh, Trump should or should not be implementing this strict ban on climate change media.
1: You ready? Okay.
0: Mm, yes. Mm, okay. Any. Yeah, let's just go talk into it. All right. Well, Elisa, I'm glad you brought this up. And I really, I really commend uh, the president. Oh. I really commend the president for making this executive order because it has been an ongoing problem with uh, this so-called uh, climate change conspiracy from the Chinese, and I I think the radicals from uh, from parks and other forms of government uh, government staff have been on their phones way too much and have been listening to the haters on those who oppose our our great president and snapchat especially is one of the biggest uh liberal uh agenda forward uh 911s and um,
1: what? i think what did you a, just say
0: a conservative uh trigger words um <laughs> so God. I, 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 the fact that you know when when the public uh, when the public uses social media to put up false facts, uh, it gets it goes viral and it becomes. Something that everyone sees even though they know like they don't have the true facts about it So they can come up with their own ideas, and I think that's very dangerous the same thing that happened with the press on um, Martin Luther King's bust in the White House that reporter said something that was completely untrue and now it's out there And we can't it's been completely false so I think we really need to focus on our our social media devices and not uh, not fuel uh, not fuel a conversation or a debate on something that doesn't, we don't have all the facts about. We don't know climate change is real. So we need to, we need to just step back. And I think do uh, the executive order to ban the government staff is a great way to show the general public about what sh- we should be doing.
1: All right. Thank you, Matthew.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm going to just bleach my eyes real quick.
2: <laughs> I'm going to bleach my
1: ears. That hurt. That was really painful yeah. to listen to. Um, Sorry. nine <sighs> eleven. Jeez. Well, guys, uh, Elisa, you have like about two minutes to figure out what the atron music is going to be while I close this bitch up.
2: Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, not, not to change the subject, but yes, definitely to change the subject. Um I, I as soon as you said 9-11, I was like, Jesus Christ! Are you like mimicking Rudy Giuliani are you <laughs> running for office in New York?
0: Yeah, I'm, I on? was. I was pivoting.
1: Yeah, you sounded like Kellyanne Conway for a minute there.
0: Uh, I was trying to. Thank you. Yeah,
1: with the whole MLK bust thing, that was mm-hmm. perfect. She's so, the worst. This is the end of the episode, unfortunately. However, we will be back next week uh, with season three, episode five. Andrew will be back. I will be gone. Um, I'm really excited to hear what catastrophe awaits me, according to the show. Uh, Don't forget to check us out on social media. I've got facebook.com slash millennial. Don't forget to join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash millennial. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Handle on both of those is Millennial Show. And coming up in After Dark, we're going to be talking about all of these confirmation hearings, (laughs) all of these fabulous individuals that are getting ready to run uh, Donald Trump's cabinet and what we can expect from them. Elisa, what's our outro music for today?
2: Um... (laughs) God, I'm scared. Uh, No, it's fine. I'm just laughing because my computer started fucking farting out on me like as I'm trying to copy the Lincoln. Anyway. This is... This is in honor of uh, (laughs) Women's March uh, Marches around the country And everyone who attended I'm so proud of everybody who went Um, Just so proud It was the glimmer of hope For this country that I Needed to see After Trump's inauguration And And I mean it genuinely Thank you to everybody who went Or even who just supports it in general Or who watched it on TV Or donated Thank you This is for you Mm -hmm. guys.
1: All right. We will see you next week on episode five. Bye Bye bye. Bye. Bye.